Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. So, are we going to engage today? Do the best we can and, and, and give me feedback. Um, it's great to get feedback. It's great to get amens even. We're, we're British, but we're allowed to say amen, okay? Is that okay? Uh, we're allowed to say that. Am I, I don't know if I can say that as a South African. I don't mean it negatively, I promise. But, um, you know, as, we, as a teaching team, we're meeting um, towards the end of last year, um, you know, Christian and, and myself and, and Julie and Josh, and, and we were just praying and thinking, how can we launch 2018? Uh, you know, what, what messages, what series can we bring at the beginning of 2018? And, and I, I think there's no better way uh, to start than by starting in Acts chapter 2. Uh, verses 42 through 47, and we're going to read that uh, in just a moment. Um, You see, it's working on our foundation as a church. Uh, There's some principles, especially in Acts 2.42, which we're going to look at, which are foundational principles. Uh, We're looking at the early church, um, and they'll be doing this in Ilkeston today as well, the early church and some of the things that we can learn uh, from this early, early church. And so it's going to come up on the screen And I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And it says this, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And and I'll read verse 42 uh, again, because this is really our focus verse. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. And so, really, that verse is going to be uh, what we're going to speak about this week, and then Christian is going to be here next week. Um, so he's going to uh, bring the word next week. And we really believe in that God's going to speak to your, your hearts. You know, the early church... Um, it's, it's very easy for us, I suppose, as Christians to, to look on the early church as a perfect church. Uh, you know, nothing, it was, it was straight after Pentecost and, you know, the, the, the birth of the church and it was perfect in, in every way. That's not the case. You know, this wasn't a perfect church by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they had their faults and, I mean, you know, if you read through Acts, um, you read about the fact that they had some issues with, they thought originally the message was only for the Jews and they had difficulty with accepting the Gentiles as well, in, in other words, the non-Jews. And so they had some issues really with discrimination. Um, they also were a very young church, so there weren't a lot, there was a, lot, a great majority of new believers, people who, who, who had just come to Jesus, didn't know much about it at all and they were brand new, uh, still really changing their lives. Um, over from their old habits. And in fact, later on, as as you read through Acts, we we hear about a church in in Antioch, a place uh, further up um, geographically. And this church was a great missional church. They were sending missionaries everywhere in Antioch. But 
technically, the, the church in Jerusalem was a little bit lacking uh, initially in sending missionaries out to all corners of the earth because they, they were really focused on what God was doing in Jerusalem. So not a perfect church, but certainly they were a great example in, in so many ways. And, and you know, we, we focus on, on, on Acts 2.42 because um, there's so many things we can learn, so many things we can learn from what they did right and that we can aspire to here at Arena Mansfield, but also in, in, in Ilkeston. And, and the first thing I want to say today, as we look at Acts 2.42, is that Acts 2.42 is not a checklist. Can I say that? Acts 2.42 is not a checklist. Just another thing that you have to do. You see, because we can easily get caught up um, when we come to know Jesus and we become Christians and we, we're living for him, we can get easily get so caught up in, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this, I need to do that. Um, you know, we need to show the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. Uh, you know, Stephen preaches about generosity, uh, forgiving. We need to forgive. Oh, and we need to serve. And we need to do all these things. And now, now we need to uh, be you know, hungry for teaching. We need to have, do fellowship, breaking of bread. We need to pray. Um, and we can so easily treat it as just a checklist of things that we have to do. And sometimes even do those reluctantly. But Acts 2.42 is not just another checklist. Yes, it's important things, but it's not, not us laying another burden upon you. In fact, Acts 2.42 are the signs of life. Can I say that again? Acts 2.42, those things that we read about are the signs of a church alive. It's the vital signs uh, of, of a church and of a people that are alive. They should evidence these things. You see, this is a very baby church that we're reading about uh, in this section of Scripture. Um, this was a church that, as I said, weren't very mature. Just recently, 3,000 were added to their number um, it's not like they'd gone through a teaching, ser- uh, teaching series or they've had uh, you know, a big um, track that they'd walked to maturity and now they'd reached that. No, they were a brand new church, a baby church, yet they were showing these vital signs, as it were, of life. And you know, the real reason uh, that they were showing these signs was because of what happened in the preceding verses and the preceding chapter. If we're a church alive, this was a church alive. This was a church. They had just received with joy the salvation. They were brand new Christians. They'd just been baptized in the Holy Spirit and received the power of the Spirit. And so it was almost, they didn't have to be trained or taught. They were just displaying these things. They were, you didn't have to twist their arms. They were just absorbing all the teaching because their heart, they had a hunger for it. They loved to be together because this was their opportunity to be with people that had the same experience as them, that were the same as them. They loved to be together in fellowship and they loved to pray. Pray to the God that had changed their lives forever. Pray to the God that had changed their, 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 their whole perception of life and had brought a difference to their world. And, and so... You know, if, if we've had a real connection uh, with God, if there's a real life in these church, in this church, can I say, we will show these things too, that we will, disp- it won't be a chore, it won't be just another checklist, it'll be the signs of a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. 
You know, I, I have um, passed a milestone in the last few years uh, in terms of my age. Uh, and so now I got a letter from my GP, okay, just towards the tail, tail end of last last uh, year, and, and the GP was saying, actually, I think it was the middle of last year, but I ignored it for six months in denial. Uh, you have to come for a checkup, Stephen. Okay, so I know there's some young, you know, strong men, that, you know, great physical specimens over here um, who, who um, you know, don't need to do things like that, but I'm at that age now. I need to go for my checkup. So they, they take your blood pressure and they do their blood tests. And it's, it's, you know, once every five years, I think, for me now. And I think that I was just waiting on one blood test. I think they're giving me the all clear for another five years. So I've passed my MOT, uh, which is great to know. But what are they doing? They're checking the vital signs, aren't they? They're checking that everything's okay, that I'm alive, that I'm well, that everything's uh, working properly. Um, And apparently I still am breathing and my heart is still beating and uh, my appetite is still there. Obviously, unfortunately for the wrong stuff, but my appetite is still there. Um, And don't judge me because I know you guys have eaten bad stuff over Christmas too. But there's life in me. Perhaps... You know, better than the example of myself is the example of a baby. Uh, when that baby, if you've had a baby, and we've got a baby sitting in here, um, beautiful girl, and, and you know, when, when babies come out, they have these vital signs. Because there's life in them, they breathe, they cry, they have a hunger, uh, they dirty their nappies, all of these things that are involved with babies, because those are the vital signs of life. Can I be bold enough to say that the vital signs of church are these things in in, in Acts 2.42? The vital signs of a church that's alive are these things in Acts 2.42. And and you know, what I don't want to do today um, is to make you feel bad. Um, You know, you may be sitting out there and you say, I just don't have a real hunger uh, for the word of God, or I don't have a real hunger for prayer. Um, can I say to you, if you know Jesus and you have a relationship with Jesus, you will have these. Sometimes we, maybe our relationship goes a little cold and, and our desires are quenched by other things. But if you know Jesus, there will be a desire within you for the word of God and for prayer. And, and can I say, don't feel condemned because we all go through stages, myself included, where maybe our hunger kind of dips a while, maybe a moment of a little distance from God where we're not as excited about praying or the word of God. You're okay. You're in good company. And in fact, this is what David said in in Psalm 51. It's not going to come up on the screen. Verse 12, in the context of this scripture, David had just sinned. He'd had a distance coming between him and God because of his sin with Bathsheba, another man's wife, and all of these things. Um, and what happened um, is he, he, he built up a distance between God. And this is what he says in Psalm 51, 12. He says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. I love that. Because that's for me sometimes. I I may not have done what David's done, but there's times where a distance builds up. There's times where there's a coldness in our relationship with God. And may I just say those words for me too. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Because it's the vital signs when the joy of our salvation is restored, when the Holy Spirit is upon us, then again, we want to obey him. 
to do these things in, in Acts 2.42. I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's the sweet spot that we as Christians need to get to where what we ought to do is what we want to do. It's this perfect, beautiful, sweet spot where we're just so in love with Jesus that what we ought to do is what we want to do because we have life in us, life uh, in Christ. And, and so really as a, as a kind of introduction, I suppose, to what I'm going to say today, I want us to think about it's the signs, it's the vital signs of life. And, and the, the first vital sign that I want to talk about and, uh, is that we will have a hunger for teaching. It's up on the screen there, and obviously in, in the context of, of the, um, the passage, it was, the, the, they say, the apostles' teaching. So for those of you that don't know, at this time, the, the Bible in its fullness was not written and, and compiled as we know it. So at this time, they relied very much on the apostles' teaching. They were kind of the standard uh, for, for everything in terms of doctrine, because they'd been with Jesus, they'd lived with him, uh, they had this, you know, walked with him through his ministry. And so they were the standard in terms of what was good and false doctrine. Um, And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. For us here today, can I just say, for us, our, our standard is the word of God now. So now we have the full scriptures written down and, and this is our standard so it's no longer the man who's on the stage that sets the standard and of what's true and false. Uh, it's not Stephen. It's not Christian. Um, everything is measured on the word of God. Can I say that? And, and you know, I'm, I'm here under the authority of God, uh, bound to the word of God. That's why you can, can't go wrong if you're preaching from the word of God. But if you're preaching your own ideas, then, then there's some problems. And so the standard is always uh, the, the word of God. For us, the hunger is not for the apostles' teaching as much, although we are taught here in church uh, by pastors, it's for the word of God. It's a hunger for this book and the truth that is in it. And, you know, I, I love what it says about them being devoted and committed to these things. Because, yes, it is a vital sign that comes from life, but there is also a commitment a devotion, a discipline to reading the word, to praying, to gathering together, which will then cause us to grow and develop and mature as well. So we do understand it. Yes, it's a natural, vital sign, but there's also a devotion, a commitment, a building upon it, a discipline. And so, um, you know, focusing on the, the teaching, you know, the, the, the Bible talks about uh, this church having a real hunger for the apostles' teaching. In the days um, before, um, obviously they had just had this wonderful experience of God. They'd just come to salvation. They'd they'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit and it was this hunger now for the word word of God. Now, um, can I just say, um, you know, for for if we're using the analogy of a physical hunger, when babies are born, um, they do have that, that physical hunger. It's, a, it's something that comes naturally. But how many of you know that that hunger can be quenched by the wrong things, even in a baby? And for us, even as Christians, sometimes that hunger we have for the Word of God, for the wisdom that it has, for the direction that it has, can be quenched sometimes by other and wrong things. But how many of you know if you give a baby um, you know, sweets and 
and, and, uh, and crisps and, and you give them all the wrong stuff. I, I heard in Scotland, not here, about um, this mum who had a baby and after milk, the first thing she gave was she, she, she got a, a, a Happy Meal and she blended it in the, in the blender, right? And that's what she gave, like mushed up, blended Happy Meal to her baby. How many of you know, guys know that the baby's hunger was quenched, but that wasn't the best thing for the baby? And, and so, you know, it's important for us, that natural sign of hunger that we quench it with the Word of God uh, instead of the, the wrong thing, so that we can grow uh, to full maturity. And I've said it, I touched on it earlier, but, you know, if you have, have enjoyed the festive period, there's probably a chance that you've enjoyed some of the wrong food, physical food. Um, that's not really truly beneficial for your long-term health. We, we can enjoy a little bit of that at Christmas time, can't we? But in the spiritual sense, we need to nourish, uh, nourish ourselves. Just some scriptures that aren't going to come up on the screen that I just want to, to give to you here, talking about the Word of God. You know, Proverbs 30 verse 5 says this, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Psalm 33 verse 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. You see, this is the thing about the word of God. We can depend on it. In a world where we can depend on very little else, everything else is moving, everything else is is not dependable. We can depend on the word of God, upon a truth that never changes. Amen? Amen? A truth that never changes, that was the same and is still the same. A God that never changes, eternal, without fault, flawless. Psalm 119 uh, verse 105 says this, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. The word gives us guidance, direction. It may not speak specifically into every situation, but the principles are there. It speaks truth. If we build our life upon the guidance that is in the word of God, we will be blessed and we will have a stable foundation. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light unto my path. Matthew 4.4. And you may want to, if you're taking notes, take notes of these scriptures. They're not all going to come up on the screen because I I didn't want to overwhelm you. Matthew 4.4. Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You can't live a full and healthy life on just being well nourished. You need a spiritual nourishment from the word of God. It feeds us, it nourishes us, guides us. It's perfect, eternal, the word of God. Joshua 1 verse 8 says this, keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. It's an invitation to fruitfulness. If we are reading the word of God, if we have a hunger for the word of God, there will be fruitfulness. There will be prosperity and blessing. Now the full, fullness of that Blessing and prosperity, we're only going to see in heaven one day. Let me say that, you know, when we enter our promised land. But here on earth too, God does promise to bless us 
when we've been faithful with what he gives us, he will bless us with more because he wants to resource. He wants to to bless other people. And so when you're a channel of his blessing, he wants to widen that channel. He wants to bless you more so that you can bless others too. And so when we base our lives on the word of God, it is, uh, and we're hungry for the word of God, it's an invitation um, to this life of fruitfulness and of blessing. You know, the Bible also says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You know, if we seek him first and prioritize, then he will bless us. Can I just say to you today that... um, the teaching that you get is not dependent on the, the person on the platform. I've touched on it already, but can I just say, because we hear that sometimes. We hear that, oh, the teaching in my church is maybe not up to scratch. Uh, maybe the teaching could be a little better. And, you know, there's going to be a time when you're going to stand before God and he, that's, that's not a good enough excuse. He's going to say, I've given you the word of God to nourish you. We have a responsibility to preach a good word too. And we take that seriously if we're up here on stage. But ultimately, you have the word of God in your possession that you can read on a daily basis. Aren't we blessed that we we don't have to struggle to get a hold of a Bible today? They're everywhere. You know, if you don't have a Bible today, please come and see me afterwards or, or see one of the guys at the prayer point at the back. We'd love to put a Bible in your hands because the word of God is so important to you and your development. You see, it's your own study. Um, you know, there's so many resources out there, um, you know, to, to, that you can rely on. Can I just say, I know there's a lot of stuff on the internet. Just be careful uh, with stuff on the internet. Go with people that you know that are reputable, because there's a lot of rubbish out there as well. So there's so many good Christian teachers that you can watch, watch podcasts, listen to podcasts, watch videos, all sorts of things. There's so much good stuff out there. Um, we should have a hunger for the Word of God. You know, can I just as well say, if you've got that hunger for the Word of God, we're so blessed at Arena to have a wonderful teaching pastor, uh, Phil Pye. He's not here a lot because he's up in Manchester, but um, once every, I think, three months, and I, I don't know if that's going to be the same this year, but around once every three months on a Thursday night, he has just a, a, a time of Bible teaching. Um, it is down in Ilkeston. Um, but, you know, I'd encourage you guys to get along. Great time of just teaching, listening to a man that has a wonderful teaching gift that we're blessed to have uh, as a part of our church. So there's no excuse. If we've got a hunger for the Word of God, there's no excuse. We've got resources to, to quench that hunger with the Word of God. But also the other vital sign is, is that we should have a thirst for prayer. And I know according to, to Acts 2.42, I'm not kind of going in the, in the exact order, but we wanted to talk about prayer uh, before we start our season of, of prayer and fasting um, this week. And so next week, Christian will be dealing with the rest of, of, of Acts 2.42. Um, we should have a thirst for prayer. You know, the disciples, Jesus' disciples, when, when they were, were um, walking with him, they had a thirst for prayer. In fact, they said to him, They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. They could have asked him anything, could they? They could have said, teach us to to heal people. Teach us to to study or to to preach. Uh, Teach us, you know, all sorts of things. 
but, but they said, teach us to pray, because they saw that modeled through Jesus. They saw him, the, the fact that he was, he had this thirst for prayer, that he got up early in the morning and, and spent time with his father. They saw that this was key to Jesus' effectiveness while he was here. And so they said, God, teach us to pray. Jesus, teach us to pray. They had a thirst for it. And, and I'm going to read this section um, out of uh, Luke 11. Uh, verses 1 through 4. And it's going to come up on the screen. Oh, is everyone with me? Yeah. You here? Are you awake? Yeah. Good, good. That's always a, a positive sign. So Luke 11, uh, 1 through 4 says this. It says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. uh, For also um, forgive anyone who's indebted to us. For we also forgive anyone who's indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. A prayer that we know so well and and has been used quite as quite you know commonly recited and and uh, which is a good thing uh, because so many people even non church people have it in their their heads don't they um, so that's a good thing but it's not obviously meant as 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 a as a thing that we just recite because prayer is so much more than that but there are so many wonderful principles in that section of scripture and and time doesn't allow us for, to go into the, the full depth of it. But I just want to say a few things today uh, about prayer. And, and the first thing is this, that um, when we have this thirst for prayer, we will find that when we pray, there is peace. You see, prayer brings peace. Uh, you, you probably know Philippians 4, 6 to 7. In fact, you probably know it off by heart. Don't be anxious for anything. But in everything. In every situation, in fact, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to the Lord. And what does it say? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding or transcends all understanding, however your, your version says, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, there's a peace that comes with prayer. It's a, it's, it's a vital sign. It's a natural reaction to loving Jesus. But also it benefits us. Just like breathing air. Just like drinking water benefits us, prayer benefits us too. Can I just say to you today, you know, the the word of God is true. Circumstances are hard in our lives. Things go on. But if you present your requests to the Lord, there is a peace. A peace that can come through turbulent times. A peace that can come though the storm billows roll, if we know that old hymn. It is well, it is well with my soul. Because we've got a peace in the midst of the turmoil. There is provision uh, from prayer as well. It talks about our daily bread. Give us today, day by day, our daily bread. And of course that speaks about so much more than food. Uh, It speaks about provision in every sense. That our God provides for us through prayer. There is protection in prayer. Deliver us from evil. You know, if you're needing protection today, 
It's easy to, to run to humans for protection, to run to the police for protection, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying don't do that. We've got Paul here representing the, um, the police, and, 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 you know, that's a good thing. But ultimately, our main protector is Jesus Christ, is God himself who protects us. As we pray to him for protection, he will deliver us from the evil one, deliver us from the spiritual battle that we're in, stand with us and strengthen us. Uh, through that. There's protection in prayer. There's also power through prayer, power to accomplish what God has called us to do, power to, to, to make a difference. You know, there's, there's a holy frustration in me, uh, in a sense, and a, you know, if I can expand on that a little bit, you know, I'd love to see there's more people in this building. I'd love to see people in the, in the streets of Mansfield that don't know Jesus but need to know the truth in here. I'd love to see more people committing their lives to Jesus. There's just, you know, there's, there's 100,000 people in Mansfield. You know, even if we, we're not quite 100, probably 60 or 70 today, including the kids, but um, even if we were 100, that would just be, do the math, 1,000? of the population, so one in every thousand people in Mansfield would be in this building if we had a hundred people. There's such an untapped reason, people that need Jesus. And there are other churches, I know that, but, but even if we can include the other churches, there's a huge, vast field of people that just need to know Jesus. I'm frustrated about that. You know, we cannot make an impact unless prayer is a part of that. It gives us a power. It taps us into a resource. That's why we're calling 21 days of prayer and fasting. We believe in the power of prayer. It's a vital sign, but it also, when we engage in prayer, it brings us strength. Um, It renews us. It enables us. The Holy Spirit himself will come and meet us, empower us, enable us to do these things and to make a difference in our community and beyond. You know, I read this quote, and I don't even know um, who, whose quote this is, um, but it really spoke to me, and I, I, I was just um, this week remembering it again. It's this, it says, you can do more than pray after you've prayed. In other words, pray is not all we do. You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you can't do more than pray until you've prayed. Yeah? So, you know, we're not just to pray, we're we're to get up and do something. But you can't get up and do something until you've come in prayer, until you've come and said, God, empower me. God, strengthen me. God, enable me. Prayer is important. And, you know, the, the Bible also talks about fasting. And in Luke 11, that I've read to you, it, it doesn't mention it. But in another section in Matthew 6, um, it does mention straight after the Lord's Prayer, it talks about fasting too. And it says, it says this, it says when you fast. It doesn't say if you fast, it says when you fast. And so there is, um, there is a part of prayer that involves fasting. And that would be something that was in the Old Testament and also God would have us do now. And, and so this is a reason, part of why we fast. It's not to show off. Um, we do it as a church together because there's power in the unity of it doing it together and joining in a season of, of prayer and fasting, as was often displayed in, in, in the church and in the people of Israel, they would call a fast for the whole community to, 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 to look for God's protection, his help, his guidance. But 
fasting also enables us to, to, to have this moment of where we hold back the desires of the flesh. You know, it may be food, where you're saying no to food for a season and you're just focusing in on, on God. Maybe it's one meal a day, as Paul has said. We're not saying, please fast everything all the way through for 21 days. But we do really want to engage as a church, to show unity. Maybe that is social media. I mean, it can take up so much of our time, can't it? Um, just switch that off for a season. And that time that you would have spent um, you know, on the internet, doing whatever, you're just spending with God, engaging with Him. That's what it's about. You know, it's not a good excuse to, to, get, to do a diet. You know, and so, oh, I can kill two birds with one stone. Um, although it might. Um, one stone. Um, I could lose with one stone. Um, so, you know, it, it's important to, for us to engage in this season of prayer and fasting. And, and it is something that brings us strength. It's something that will, again, refresh us. It's something that, again, will, will stir something new in our church. And I'm believing for that. But the last thing I want to say is, as, a, as a wrap up and is this. Again, just refocusing. Where does it come from? Where does this hunger for the Word of God and this thirst for prayer, where does it come from? It's not something you can only do with discipline and commitment. That is a part of it. But it comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. It comes from restoring again that joy of your salvation. It comes from again saying, Spirit of God, fall afresh on me. I can't do it on my own, God. Even as pastor of the church, there's seasons where I'm like, ooh, I maybe don't have that hunger, don't have that thirst. But God wants us to again encounter Him. Excuse me. Thirst. Isn't that a good illustration? I didn't even plan that one. Thirst. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to call, call the worship guys up. Christianity is not a religion of rules, of checklists. Remember what I said? This is not just another checklist. Christianity is, is about relationship. It's about relationship with Jesus, a relationship that will change your life and will change your life forever. It's about a relationship and an interaction with the Holy Spirit as well that can empower us, a fresh experience of God. You see, an experience of God changes everything. There was a man uh, called, called Saul, who, 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 was, who was following the, the letter of the law and everything, and so zealous about it. And he was, he, he, he was a Jew and, and re- reading the Jewish law. And he had an experience with God and the Holy Spirit that changed everything. It changed how he read the Bible. It changed uh, everything. And he realized the truth that was written in it because of an experience with Jesus. An interaction with God and the Holy Spirit. Can I say today, He wants to do that in your life today. If you're a Christian, He wants to refresh again. 
If you don't know Jesus, he wants to meet you. Paul said it. He's standing at that door and he's knocking. But the door, the handle's on the inside. It's your responsibility to open that door. In just a moment, we're going to sing again, but I just want you all to bow your heads at this moment. And, you know, at Arena, we love to give people an opportunity to commit their lives to Jesus because we believe nothing delights God more than when somebody turns their life over to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus today, heads are bowed. We're not going to embarrass you at all, but I just want if you just wave your hand, I'd love to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus and you'd like to commit your life to Jesus for the first time. I think we're mostly Christians here today. But we always want to give that opportunity because it's changed our lives and we know it can change yours.